Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. For exclusive podcasts and more, sign up at patreon.com slash partners in crime media. This week's Law & Order Marathon winner is Suzanne Connolly of Flemington in Victoria, Australia. Suzanne will get a marathon decal showing she watched 26.2 hours of her favorite crime show. To be next week's winner, sign up at lawandorderpodcast.com. I'm Kevin Flynn with Rebecca Lavoy and Lauren Vandermeer. And these are their stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Peter Brady. And I should have got something to drink. And, and these are their stories. You know who did it, but you don't know who did it. Law and order, law and order, law and order. It's no ordinary police procedural, baby. It's the FNOG of police procedures, baby. Law and order, law and order, law and order, law and order. These are their stories. These are their stories. Welcome to These Are The Stories, the podcast about Network TV's most enduring crime franchise and the real-life cases that inspired their shows. I'm Kevin Flynn. Each podcast will break down an episode from either Criminal Intent, SVU, or Original Recipe. And today we're looking at Special Victims Unit, Season 17, Episode 1, Devil's Dissections, and Episode 2, Criminal Pathology. Dr. Carl Rudnick? Deputy Chief, medical examiner in the borough of Manhattan. He's a serial killer. Wait, Carl became an M.E.? Oh no, that, oh, that really is, that is, that is perfect. He never liked people. Joining me to do all that is true crime author and the host of Crime Writers On and Netflix's You Can't Make This Up podcast, Rebecca Lavoie. Hello, Rebecca. So happy to be back, Kevin. Thanks for having me. Well, also back is our special returning guest from the Drinks with Death podcast. It's Lauren Vandermeer. Hello, Lauren. Hello. I'm so excited to be back. We're excited to have you. So I'll give you one Law & Order character to have a drink with. Who are you taking Ooh. out and what are you drinking? Oh, shit. That's a good question. Well, I have to say, I was kind of, I was kind of fangirling on Barba in this episode. So yeah. I'm just going to go with Barba and I'm going to go with a really nice scotch. Yeah, that's what he'd be drinking, right? He totally, 100% in his suspenders. How about this? If you had to do a shot with Barba, what would you get? Oh, God. Tequila. Tequila? <laughs> I'd make him do tequila. <laughs> Rebecca, how about you? I, even though I just said I was going to be drinking scotch with them, but I feel like that's like a sipping. That's sophisticated in sipping. If we're doing shots, then, I mean, you know, come on. I can see Barbara's doing shots, you know, like getting the lime all, yep. you know, just right. And then, you know, I could just see him like going for the licking his his hand, put the salt there and like making a face. Yeah. You see his like, like his, his tequila face, like that. So I, you know, you know, I'm all about Carisi right now. Yeah. So I can imagine having some G&Ts with Carisi also. Totally. And his mother and his sister. Lucy the nanny. Ah, uh, Lucy. Because <laughs> all we would do is bitch about how our bosses won't leave us alone. Yeah. Exactly. Oh <laughs> Keep getting all these Sorry, calls. Sorry, Jim, in case you're listening, I'm not talking about you. You just want to get her drunk so she just spills all the all the beans about Noah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Lauren, of all the franchises, which two cops are your favorite detective team? Favorite law and order detective team. Okay, so I think the first time I said Briscoe and Green, so I'm going with an honorable mention. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if anyone said this before, but I am going to say Fontana and Falco. Because wow. for a hot minute... Dennis Farina and Michael Imperioli were partnered up, and it was, I thought it was amazing. It was like two episodes, but I was just like, what is happening? It was some mobbed up shit there for two it episodes. It was some <laughs> mobbed up shit. No kidding. You know what always happens is when they bring a new detective in, the old detective, there's a couple of episodes, they're like, oh, I don't like them, and they don't get along, and so they, and they find, and then, you know, the opening scene where Fontana comes in, 
And because Green was shot, he's in the hospital, and it's really just mm-hmm. C.L. Martin wants to go off and do rent. Broadway. Whatever. <laughs> whatever. Falco's there, and he's like, hey, I'm your new partner. I'm like, okay, let's get to it. And there's like, we don't have any time to not like each other. We just got to get through these four or five episodes. <laughs> get to May, and then... You're back off on unemployment. <laughs> right. And then didn't they like, I mean, Falco, wasn't he arrested? He was investigated by IA. Like he was problematic, I think. That's why he didn't last long. Well, I didn't think he last long because he was on a short term contract. Because <laughs> oh. he was Michael Imperioli. He had other shit to do. Yeah, Christopher. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and Lauren, who's your favorite prosecutorial team? Favorite law and order district attorney prosecutorial team. Okay, so like I said, I was on a little bit of a barba. I was having a barba moment. But, and I don't think this ever happened because this is kind of after season 18, whatever, I started to fade out a little bit. Mm-hmm. But Barba and Carisi, would that not have been the best matchup? Did they oh. ever team up together? Yes, yes, they did. They did? They did oh. more one where he sat in on, uh, I think they were going, were they going after the Chomo? I think so. And and Barba seemed like so put off, like yeah. for a little bit. <laughs> but that was when we first got our little taste of little baby prosecutor Carisi. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Barisis like went crazy the, because. Yes. He's gone up against him. If they would have gone with that. <laughs> Yeah, he has since gone up against him in court, and it was real fun to watch. Yeah, the costume department loved getting all of those vests. (laughs) (laughs) All right, now let's take a look at the first episode, SVU Season 17, Episode 1, Devil's Dissections. Although serial killer Dr. Greg Yates is in prison, the body of a woman washes ashore on the same beach that he dumped his nine victims. Rachel Groves was dismembered, but... Medical examiner Carl Rudnick says otherwise. The wounds are consistent with a Yates killing. Timeline is too tight. This girl was a redhead, okay? He's never dismembered a body before this. He found skulls last time. Yeah, but that was skeletal remains of decopped corpses. This is different. You know, his his victims were never prostitutes. This girl is a Jane Doe. Amanda, I don't know what you're doing, but this isn't police work. Rollins visits Yates in prison who denies killing Rachel. She was last seen leaving a shelter with a woman in a floor-length coat when Yates was already behind bars. The serial killer says the murder reminds him of a time in 2002 when another doctor asked his help after a violent fight with his fiancée. He points detectives to a townhouse where they find a mummified body stuffed in a suitcase concealed in a wall. Barbara wants to charge Yates with that murder, but Amanda thinks he's got more information. After the privilege of a conjugal visit with his gal Susie, Yates says the doctor in question was... Drum roll, medical examiner Carl Rudnick. <gasps> Both he and Susie recall Rudnick's redheaded girlfriend, Lena, hasn't been seen since she returned to Sweden. Based on TSA video, Greasy thinks Rudnick left the U.S. dressed like Lena, then returned as himself. Plus, they tell Benson Rudnick's aunt owned a townhouse where the body was found. And when Warner double checks Rudnick's autopsy, she says he left out stuff that might have pointed at him. Olivia and Rafa meet with Rudnick in the always-being videotaped conference room to confront him with the fact that he never disclosed his med school friendship with the serial killer or that the severed body he autopsied was his former fiancée. And after Finn and Carisi find wigs and women's clothes in his apartment, they arrest Rudnick for murder. Meanwhile, Susie has an old photo of Rudnick impersonating Lena that can incriminate him, and she wants to use it to blackmail him into getting Yates' conviction overturned. Once high-priced attorney Rita Calhoun gets Rudnick out on bail, he disappears. And so does Susie, until her dismembered body washes up on the same beach. Okay, that's the first 44 minutes. Question, though. Yeah. (laughs) How did you skip the teenagers skinny dipping in the middle of the winter in Queens who discovered the bodies? They had it coming. (laughs) (laughs) That's what you get. (laughs) So, Dr. Greg Yates, let's just get you caught up on him. Here's the wiki, a serial killer who would paint his uh, victim's fingernails green. Early on, he'd burn the bodies and leave them on the same New York beach In a Chicago PD crossover, Yates kidnaps and murders their administrative assistant, Nadia Dakotis. Later on, he and Rudnick will work together to escape from prison through a hole in the wall, Shawshank style for fuck's sake. And he'll later be shot by Chicago detective Aaron Lindsay. Okay, we got all that shit out of the way. So you know who he is. Rollins goes in all 
Clarice Starling and visits the serial killer for advice. Someone committed this horrific crime, and then he went out of his way to piggyback it onto crimes I've been accused of. That was my initial response. In the red hair. Gingers are anathema to me. I prefer brunettes. No offense. It's a long story. Gingers yeah. are anathema to me. <laughs> so offensive. It's so offensive for gingers. Your Honor, my client couldn't possibly have killed Carrot Top. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Fire Crotch. It's not your day to be murdered. <laughs> Didn't I have a question about Yates? Yeah. Didn't John Cryer tell us that he was supposed to, that he was asked to play a serial killer in SVU? At about this time, I think he was asked oh. to play Yates. That would have been that would have been good. Yeah, yeah. would have yeah. been really good. Oh, you have yeah. to you have to bring up John Cryer as the only other guest where we did a two parter. Yeah, uh, and so Lauren, you're in good company with not a serial killer, but instead a super villain Lex Luthor, John Cryer. <laughs> yep, perfect. <laughs> or Ducky, whatever the hell. Ducky, yeah, exactly. Team Ducky. <laughs> so Benson brings in uh, Brooke Groves to identify the body of her sister, Rachel. And Ruddick opens the curtain and asks, you know, whether it's her. When we were young, we used to dress alike. No one could tell us apart. Brace yourself. There's significant decomposition. First of all, she looks like an alien from the X-Files that they just put a Jessica Rabbit wig on. She's like a raisin. <laughs> yeah. She's green. So many things about this scene. Scream. First it was like, brace yourselves as he's opening the curtains. <laughs> totally decomposed. And she immediately goes, that's her. <laughs> Is this fuzzy moldy avocado your sister? Yeah. <laughs> yes. This, absolutely. By the way, just to note, they're identical twins. <laughs> right? Uh-huh, yeah. So someone just goes, someone just look over her and go, oh yeah, I see it. We're good. <laughs> yeah. we, don't, we don't have to go with the, with the curtain. She don't need to see that. She does not need to see that fuzzy, moldy avocado with the red wig on. Just saying. Do you think it was just so they could have this scene where she clung to Rednick in the dramatic <laughs> Oscar-winning yeah. moment where she just like grasped onto him and cried? <laughs> It's like, what? Yeah. He's creepy as fuck. Why would you want to even get near him? Okay. Yes, and he's like, live people, ick. He is so, he's so <laughs> creepy that the first moment he ever appeared in a scene on SVU, I was like, that dude is a fucking killer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no way. They did Wait not. for it. <laughs> there you go. And so ends another two-minute episode of <laughs> Special Victims Unit. So they go to this townhouse where Yates describes what could have been a, a similar murder. And so they use the ground-penetrating radar on the wall, and they find something. There's something in there. I bet that's another Yates victim. So what, we ripped down the wall? Okay, go tell the owners that that non-invasive search just became invasive. And mm-hmm. those people are so upset they let the cops in their house. Mm. They're like, what kind of flipping show is this? <laughs> I did not sign up for this. <laughs> it's like, your special edition is a body. <laughs> Let's see how you work that into the ship lab. Flipper corpse. Flipper corpse. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, did they not? I know that they went there and they asked the couple, what, permission instead of getting a warrant or whatever. Did they not look up? Who owned the house at the time Yates says this shit happened? He gave them the year. Why would you go to the trouble of cutting up a body and putting it in a suitcase (laughs) if you're not going to take it somewhere? (laughs) Right? You put it in the thing with the handle because you want to go with it. He was young. He hadn't learned yet. It's true. It's just, you know... Put in the suitcase or stuff it in the wall, but don't do both. Listen, the Barbie dream house has a handle so you could bring it to your friend's house, right? And right next to the Barbie elevator, there's a little place to stuff a corpse of Skipper. Tear off the head, stick it in there. No, it's Midge. It's Midge. 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 Do you think he wanted to carry the suitcase to Yates' house and be like, I brought my Barbie suitcase. (laughs) I'm just kidding. (laughs) All right, we have a couple of Hey, It's That Guys. Hey, it's that guy. We do. Yeah, who's playing serial killer Greg Yates? 
I could smell her. Okay, Doc. No, uh, really. I could, and it wasn't the sex, and it wasn't the hormones. It was her fear. It has a very real scent, like ammonia. Who is? That gentleman is Dallas Roberts. You might remember him as Angus on The L Word. Also, Bob Armstrong in Insatiable, and Owen in The Good Wife. I didn't watch any of those programs. He was in Walking Dead, too. That's where I know him from. Ah, yes, yes. He says, if you're into a leather-jacketed crime fighter and his artificially intelligent robotic supercar, tune into The Good Wife. (laughs) Has he never seen The Good Wife? (laughs) What scripts are they giving him? (laughs) Where he's like, I can't wait for the Knight Rider. Wow. The only thing I know about The Good Wife is that it was on at the same time as Game of Thrones. And I know that... Because we used to go to our friend's house to watch Game of Thrones, and one time they were accidentally taping The Good Wife, and we couldn't fucking watch Game of yeah. Thrones. Oh. <laughs> I wonder what ever happened to those friends. <laughs> Was that the past tense? <laughs> yeah, speaking of serial killers, uh, he played Jeffrey Dahmer's father. In my friend Dahmer. Wow. Who is playing that deputy chief medical examiner, Carl Rudnick? I can tell you the cuts were made by someone with surgical training. Uh, And another interesting detail, microscopic traces of green nail polish under two fingernails. That actor's name is Jefferson Mays. Nine Law & Order Universe appearances, including seven as this character. He also played a medical examiner in HBO's Perry Mason. Ooh. Virgil Sheets, yes. Typecast. (laughs) <laughs> He's only good as weird pathologist. Right. I know who we need. What's his name? What's his name? Jefferson Mays. We need Jefferson Mays. Right. His weird hat. We need his weird hairline, his weird six head. Yes. yes. His pale forehead and his rosy cheeks. <laughs> looks like a little porcelain doll with a mustache. She looks like Lady Elaine from Mr. Rogers. That's who we need. He has the Lady Elaine oh cheeks. God. Yes. He does. Oh, I knew he was creepy. Okay. Oh, my favorite lesbian puppet of all time. <laughs> So inclusive that so the neighborhood inclusive. of make-believe. Is this because I'm a lesbian? <laughs> <laughs> so uh, he won, Jefferson Mays won a Tony Award for the show, I Am My Own Wife. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Prophetic. Prophetic. He also right? played 50 different characters in a one-man performance of A Christmas Carol, which is the perfect COVID casting call. <laughs> Just you and nobody else. Okay, he's def- there's a little typecasting going on with this guy. <laughs> yeah. So speaking of serial killers, who's playing Noah? <laughs> uh, that little guy is Bradley Dubow, or maybe his twin brother, Skyler. Hmm. 13 Law & Order appearances with virtually no lines to memorize. Yeah. So in describing their arrival on his WordPress blog, their father says... Their birth, the twins' birth, was an emergency. Their mom, Allison, left a, quote, blood trail from the bed to the bathroom when the contraction started. Uh, it's on WordPress. It works, right? Uh, when the ambulance <laughs> arrived, the EM- EMT said they would rush them to nearby St. Joseph Medical Center in Yonkers, but they refused, saying they had to go to St. Barnabas in Brooklyn. And the EMT said, no, it's St. Joe's. You have to drive yourself to St. Barnabas. And they're arguing. In the meantime, Allison is bleeding like a stuck pig. And for some reason, a second ambulance shows up and says, okay, we'll take you to St. Barnabas. And then the first ambulance says, fine, we'll take you to St. Barnabas. And then they got to wait for an ASL interpreter for mom who uses sign language. And then the babies were born. By the way, do you know what the uh, sign is for push? <laughs> it's, it's just this, hands out, like you just push like that. Amazing. But in the delivery room, it's this. <laughs> <laughs> you know, some things don't have to be blogged, Dad. I'm just saying. The blog has two entries. There's the a entire reason- blog. It stopped there. It's like, why, why go further? There's a reason why it's called mommy blogs and not daddy blogs. Exactly. I just learned what that reason is. Do you think the casting director read that and was like, Perfect. It's Noah. Oh. <laughs> they can they can use this drama. We got our kids. <laughs> got them. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we have some repeat offenders. Repeat offender. 
The excellent Elizabeth Marvel is back as Rita Calhoun. We request ROR as the charges are on their face ridiculous. Delaney Williams is attorney John Buchanan. Mm-hmm. Your Honor, I intend to show a direct line between Ms. Frayne's pathological desire to clear her fiancé and the events that led to her death. Soprano star Vincent Caratola returns as Judge Albertuccio. Sustained. Jurial disregard. And Broadway dancer Bronwyn Reed is back as ever-reliable nanny Lucy Houston. <laughs> Mommy and Noel will get a little time later. There you Perfect. go, sweetie. Okay. All right. So, uh, looking forward to the second episode. Any idea who that landlady was? No. Ooh. Terry's mute. Deaf, too. She used to write me little notes, you know, if she needed something. But never a complaint. She paid her rent a year in advance. That's uh, Denny Dillon, star of both Saturday Night Fever and Saturday Night Live. Oh. Who's she playing Saturday Night Fever? Uh, she had some cameo. I don't know. I never watched Saturday Night Live. I would Fever. How star. much research do you want me to do? <laughs> in case I can ask the question. Uh, she was the shortest SNL cast member. Uh, not like the shortest time on the cast. She had 13 episodes oh. during season <laughs> six. She was the shortest at four foot 11. Wow. Oh, wow. Yeah. And Denny was in HBO's Dream On and was awarded Best Actress in a Comedy Series from the Cable Ace Awards, which we can all agree are the trash Emmys. Hmm. Remember the, the Cable Ace Awards? No. I mean, now they just have <laughs> Emmys and they give shit to people on there cable. There you go, exactly. <laughs> Lastly, who is playing the corrections officer? Time's up, coming in. I don't know. The cock-blocking corrections officer. Oh, that one. Yes. Wait, is this the one outside the the trailer? Yes. The stink trailer? <laughs> the stink I don't know. <laughs> uh, that's Stephen Tenor, five Law & Order Universe appearances. He's the former lead singer for an 80s cover band, and he said the band was too woke, so now he travels the country in a van painted like the mystery machine from Scooby-Doo, espousing conspiracy theories. Perfect. <laughs> Fantastic. Uh, he says he's trying to cure people of sheepnesia. <gasps> What? Yes. We're all sheep. Yeah. We're all sheeples. Oh, Lord. Sheeple. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Got it. <laughs> so here are some of his things on his YouTube and Thunder channel and uh, Signal and Echo and Truth Social, of course. I don't think you know what Signal is, but tell me everything. I have no idea either. Uh, vaccines are bioweapons. Yes. Trump is still totally. the president. Yes. 100%. He says Biden is actually dead and replaced with a body double. Maybe. Uh-huh. He says the inauguration was filmed in a Hollywood studio, <laughs> just like the moon landing. Ooh. Yep. yep. Uh-huh. Insurrectionists were normal tourists. <laughs> totally. <laughs> yeah. And rather than pharmaceuticals, he believes in the power of frequency healing. Oh. oh Man, mm-hmm. this is some heavy shit from a guy who couldn't stay in tune for pour some sugar on me. <laughs> <laughs> I think the writers are trying to amuse themselves a little bit here. So in order to get Yates' cooperation, he wants this conjugal visit with Susie. And I think the writers wedged in as many cum references as they could on network television. So many thoughts on this scene, too. (laughs) All right. So when the moaning stops outside of the trailer, the guard says, Coming in. Coming in. <laughs> and then when Yates invites them into the trailer, he says, Come in here. Mm. Yeah, I just mm. did. Oh, my God, the stink. <laughs> yeah. Like, is that all know. you guys could think about is how bad it must smell in that trailer? It's the only I thing I can think about every time I when see When he was scene. like, come into my prison sex lair, and they're like, okay. <laughs> Careful where you sit. You finished moaning three seconds ago. Here we are. <laughs> No. And they're all dressed. I know the corrections Ugh. officer who believes in QAnon is going to be knocking on the door any fucking second. <laughs> <laughs> and then what's her name? Susie? She was all like, Susie. here I am, dressed. She's not a wrinkle on her. She's just like, I'm out, dressed. Oh, Leslie, when Susie asks them to release Gates, Finn says, come again? <laughs> yeah, maybe with some more nipple action, I could come again. <laughs> Man, so suspicious of Rudnick, they have uh, Warner redo the autopsies, and she finds all kinds of mistakes. Cutting into live tissue always causes a vital reaction, markedly different from cutting into dead tissue. And there's no way an ME would leave this out or possibly mistake the two. No. Now, you want to tell me what this is about? Uh, I'm sorry, Melinda, I can't. This is uh, an active investigation. Now, think about this. She lost her promotion to a serial killer, 
How bad was her interview? <sighs> it's as bad as any woman's interview ever is, Kevin, when they lose a mm-hmm. job to a mediocre fucking white guy. That's mm-hmm. it. The confidence of a serial killing white guy. <laughs> Lord grant it to me. They do it. <laughs> so it's an important point later. But when Barbara has Rudnick visit the conference room, he makes a point to say everything in here is recorded mm-hmm. all the time. So you know what is not recorded all the time? Any of the interrogation rooms in Law and Order. (laughs) (laughs) Shit goes down, people get beat up. That's not what I said. How about the one place where you actually need it? Right, yeah. None of that is on film. Yeah. Yeah, (laughs) None of the interactions between police and suspects either ever recorded. No, no, perfect. Nobody needs a body cam more than Elliot Stabler needs a body cam. Exactly, yes. Nothing that involved Elliot was recorded. (laughs) Stabler needs a camera pointing forward and backward. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. So they have 24-7 coverage in the room where they celebrate office birthdays, <laughs> but now where the rapists are okay. telling their stuff. That was a lie, by the way. Everything in that room is not recorded. They were just recording him. You know, that was a lie, right? That was a lie. I believed it. They were just recording him, and they uh, the pretense was everything in this room is recorded to get him to say, yes, that's how they got him to say. That wasn't true. You thought that was true? I thought it was true. <laughs> I saw it later. They recorded everything. Everything that happened yeah. to him, they recorded. It was a super fancy conference room. <laughs> There's no conference room. There's no conference room in the district attorney's office where everything is recorded. If there were, there would be nobody in prison. Everybody would get out and appeal. Yeah. <laughs> They're going to put one in anyone's conference room. They should put it in McCoy's because, like, everything happens there. People come in and you're like, you know, you're right. It was my wife. You know, I'm the one who did yeah. it. Always there. Got to capture that, like, on, on film. You mean the Scooby room? The Scooby room. <laughs> the Scooby room. <laughs> Let's make a deal. <laughs> so, in the end, they return to that beach where mo- more body parts keep washing ashore. What do we have? Oh. We're still putting the pieces together. Some fishermen saw the bags coming in about an hour ago. This is why I hate fishing. We're not growing up in Staten Island. We're a long way from Elmhurst. How far out could this guy really be going to drop these body parts in if they're just floating in the next day? Have you ever tried to, like, throw an actual plastic bottle out and you just see it come right back? (laughs) And it was, like, one after the other, like, immediately. Oh, here's a leg. Here's an arm. And they just put it together like a puzzle. It's like, no. Yeah. Yeah, so did anyone catch what Rollins says when they're putting rushing up on shore? Putting the pieces together? We're still putting the pieces together. Mm-hmm. Literally. Straight face. Again, the writers are just fucking with us. <laughs> they, like, let's yes. see what we can do. <laughs> and then they show the head. They show oh. multiple times. This is uh-huh. the head. I was like, first of all, I thought they were just going to open the bag and have her look in it and be like, yeah. that's her. They show the head. Then they show the arms again. Then they show the, they show those body parts. Yeah. By the way, uh, that head, she didn't look like a used avocado, though, right? <laughs> she didn't. Now, she hadn't been in the water quite as long, but she and her body parts seemed pre- surprisingly um, still well intact. <laughs> yeah. And well yeah. preserved. So the killer, like, went to the trouble of cutting up the body and putting the individual pieces in individual garbage bags. You know what he could have put in there? A rock. <laughs> a brick. A brick, anything. Watch watch Dexter. Mind you live in New York. Yeah. Don't you think he wanted them to be found, which is why he didn't include the one piece they needed? The one piece mm. they needed, yes. Mm. Yes, they were looking for that leg. I, I noticed that when they recovered the leg, it was in a box that said fragile. <laughs> you know what I noticed? <laughs> it was a major award. I noticed that in Susie's apartment. I missed my chance to make that joke at the other episode where we had the perv cutting off the legs. I forgot it. Been waiting all year to use it. I noticed that in Susie's apartment, she had the word dream spelled out on giant letters, like on her wall that. or on her window. And I'm like... Dream away, Susie. <laughs> Dream away. It was such a great set design detail. Who was the HGTV consultant on this episode? <laughs> we got bodies and walls. We got big letters. <laughs> we got in the kitchen, big word. It says eat. Yeah, same one that plastered up that fireplace originally. <laughs> yeah. Come on, Chip. Just get that. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms. And 
producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. At Amica Insurance, we know it's more than just a car or a house. It's the four wheels that get you where you're going and the four walls that welcome you home. When you combine auto and home insurance with Amica, we'll help protect it all. And the more you cover, the more you can save. Amica, empathy is our best policy. Well, now let's take a look at the second episode, SVU Season 17, Episode 2, Criminal Pathology. So note that some streaming services list these two as separate episodes, and some have them as one long one. Mm-hmm. Looking at you, Hulu. <laughs> Looking at you, Rebecca Lavoie, thinking, this is the longest episode I've ever seen. It's eternal. Might Same. as well do them both. <laughs> yes, when I was done, I was like, how long have we been watching this? This is going on forever. <laughs> Seemed like finding Susie's head would have been a good place to stop, but we're still going. So Carl Rudnick is nowhere to be found, and Barba is flipping shit. No sightings, no traffic cams. Does everyone know he dresses in drag? We alerted state troopers and the FBI. Oh, they already know. The ME's office, the mayor's office, the people in my office, people are falling over there themselves to point fingers. I get it. It's a mess, all right? No leave, no vacation, no... Yes, I'll hold for the governor. Benson learns the only part of Susie's body still missing is her left thigh, which could be the key to learning how she was murdered. Greasy and secretly pregnant Rollins find an apartment that Rudnick has been renting, posing as a deaf and mute woman. Inside, they find Rachel's blood and get word Rudnick had been busted shoplifting in Syracuse, like so many of us. Mm. Sonny and Amanda (laughs) capture him getting off a bus in Buffalo dressed as a woman. At trial, Rita Calhoun, now joined by the other high-priced lawyer, John Buchanan, argues that Yates and Susie were setting up Rudnick to win Yates' appeal. Rudnick takes a stand, saying that he killed Susie in self-defense, deflecting her blow from a kitchen knife and driving it into her femoral artery. He says he dismembered the body in a panic, and Barbara's starting to think that the jury believes him. That's when Carisi goes back to the video from the conference room meeting. When Olivia and Barbara left, he began talking to himself, saying he's going to have to kill Susie, just like he killed all the others. Confronted with the evidence, Rudnick pleads guilty to Susie and Rachel's murders. Rollins brings the news to Yates in prison that Rudnick went down for his fiancée's murder. That's when Yates hints the night Rudnick killed Lena that he provided more than just first aid. Disgusted, Amanda leaves, but the serial killer says she'll be back. In the very end, in the prison mess hall, we see Dr. Yates and Dr. Rudnick reunited, saying they have a lot to catch up on. Okay, so again with the writers here, any idea why this episode, Lauren, is called Devil's Dissection and the second episode is called Criminal Pathology? <laughs> um, because they're putting the pieces together. <laughs> I have no, no idea. Because is it it's, because the number of letters in the episode titles? Because it's season 17 and so each title has to have 17 letters in it. Which is why all the titles from this era are fucked up. <laughs> are you serious? Absolutely serious. Yeah. Get and count them. Fun Every, fact. Oh my people God. are counting them in their heads right now. Yep. Previous episode of These Are Their Stories, Kevin revealed this fact to me and I died. Oh my God. I was like, that's God. the stupidest thing I've ever heard. They're still doing that, right? Uh, they did it in, in season 21, I think. Those but they stopped doing it, yeah. Those 21 letter titles were so stupid. Yeah. Oh, my God. The writers really are. No wonder they've got all these puns and little innuendos. They're like, we are bored as shit. Yeah. Come again. (laughs) (laughs) So the mayor and governor are calling to yell at Barba. I mean, it's not his fault. Why are they mad at him? Well, he's the one who agreed to the bail. No, he didn't. No, he argued for no bail. You're right. He did argue for no Mm -hmm. bail. Yeah. It's not his fault. You're 100 percent. That's not his fault. It's not his fault. He should have just shot him on the courthouse steps like everyone else. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Just wait long enough. Bang. Mm. 
Rollins and Carisi drive really fast to Syracuse. Oh, actually, I should say from Syracuse to Buffalo because they flew to Syracuse. They need to get there when Rudnick gets off the bus. Now, he's in a dress and a wig claiming to be Ellie Howard. And when they drive him back, he's still wearing the dress and the Mm -hmm. big chunky necklace, but not the wig. And when they stop at the diner, they let him put the wig back on. Mm -hmm. They don't want to draw any attention to the six-foot woman in handcuffs. <laughs> handcuffs, yeah. <laughs> Nothing to see here. He's got like a five o'clock shadow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he's kind of missing. He's not Tootsie anymore. Yeah. Uh, can I yeah. just say something here? Because I just want to say there is no intimation in any way that Rudnick is trans. Correct. So right. they, are, but they use some very insensitive language over and over and over again in this episode. They don't ever explore any idea that he might be trans. So they're using words like cross-dressing and drag. I mean, he's they, in drag. Yeah. So they, but but the, those words are only offensive because they never explore the possibility of whether or not he might be trans. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So I will say though. In my head, when I saw them, when he put his wig back, I was like, look how sensitive they're being. They're let him, letting him be his true self in that diner. I don't think that's why they and did it. And then I realized, Rebecca, no, he's only dressing as a woman so he can kill people. Like that's yeah. Why. Yeah. But then I'm also like, this is playing into every anti-trans person's fantasy. This is no good. Yeah. Lauren, I mean, Rebecca's right that the writers don't really intimate whether or not he is transgender. And, you know, a lot of this language sort of... This predates a little bit, sort of a more uh, Mm -hmm. contemporary understanding of of, of these issues. But, uh, and it is, you know, this plot point is based on the rip from the headlines thing where you know who was dressed Mm -hmm. as a a woman and pretending to be deaf and mute and all that. So they're just kind of saying he dresses so that he can elude detection. However, I will say, he's got a lot of dresses and wigs. He does. Mm -hmm. And as soon as they find his secret closet, with his dresses on like those mannequins. Because mm-hmm. who the mm-hmm. fuck has those? Mm-hmm. They're mm-hmm. like, oh, we got to arrest this guy. Barbie has those. <laughs> Barbie has those. <laughs> He's just can. He's got an incredible <laughs> dream closet. I'm just he saying. Does. He's got more than one. He, he does. One. He has multiple. Multiple closets yeah. and multiple apartments. Yeah. Horrible, horrible taste in flooring. Incredible taste mm. in closets. Yes, yes. <laughs> Uh, when he has to pee, Rollins and Carisi look at each other with that unspoken question, which bathroom is he going to use? The answer, whichever one he's most comfortable with. Mm-hmm. Which it happens to be the men's room, and so Carisi's got to stand guard. Oh, hey, still occupied. Hey, look, it's my uncle. I'll see if I can hurry him along, okay? Again, as if his uncle is also this large woman who won't be suspicious to everybody that she had to go in and pee there. With handcuffs on. With handcuffs on. Handcuffs. Well, with one dangling handcuff. <laughs> the the yeah. handcuffs is the suspicious thing. I'm sorry. That could be his uncle who enjoys wearing a dress into the bathroom. But mm-hmm. the suspicious thing is that he's wearing fucking handcuffs. Right. They never get to the bottom of why it was taking him so long in the crapper. He had I mean, he was talking to, to himself. He had things to say. <laughs> I mean, we all thought it was because he was trying to escape out the window. And I was just very relieved that it wasn't that old trope. Uh, I just want to say that that car ride with the three of them, with uh, with Rollins and Carisi and Rednick, I just it was just a beautiful few minutes. We aren't actually going to drive all the way back to Manhattan, Shut are we? Up. We took the bus up here anyway, right? Yes. Well, I was traveling incognito. Yeah, hey, what were you thinking anyway? Skipping out on a two million dollar bail. Well, what were they thinking? They charged me with two murders and let me go. Who wouldn't run? <laughs> and yes, and then when she's like, "Why are you whispering?" <laughs> <laughs> we found your car. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Hey, Rodnick. We found your car. It's a road show. It's a road show. <laughs> it's, a fa- it's fantastic. It's, it's six hours from Buffalo to New York City, so they have yeah. a lot to talk about. Yeah, although I will you say- think, You think you're like, hey, you want to listen to a podcast? Yeah, I will say that yeah. I found parts of this episode very confusing. A lot of legal stuff going yeah. on. There, It was gymnastic how, for a moment, they made us feel bad for Yates. Mm-hmm wild mm-hmm. and there was a comedy show with another serial killer that's kind of gymnastic writing it's really good yeah yeah i i don't know i kind of enjoyed the second one a little bit even though it was complicated that's why they told you to come again <laughs> <laughs> i do like the fact that we have both rita calhoun and john buchanan together mm. what's going on here miss calhoun i just 
need a moment to confer with my client. So he is still your client? He is, Your Honor. Dr. Rudnick has retained us both. You have? Rita, the state saw fit to double down. I thought it prudent to do the same. And, you know, it's apparently Rudnick is just like, I don't, I'm just hiring everybody and you can all fight right. amongst yourselves. It's just like Trump's like, I don't give a fuck. You come <laughs> in, you start arguing <laughs> stuff, you start arguing the same thing, you're going to get indicted too. It doesn't really matter. You're fired. You. You're fired. <laughs> I loved it. Also, it also made me aware that in this universe, there are only two good defense attorneys. There are. Yeah. <laughs> that was a good matchup. Maybe we sh- you should start asking what your favorite defense attorney is. All right. So who do you pick if you got to pick a defense attorney? Ooh. I know you're going to say Barbara, but say Barbara's not. Involved, so. <laughs> it's definitely Rita Calhoun. Yeah. I she, mean, I, yeah. what about Trevor Langdon? No, 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 no. Mr. No. Mr. No. Mershka Hargitay. No. Oh, yeah. Rita Calhoun is 100% sure that her client dismembered a woman. And she is still like, no, you fucking need a warrant to get in that house. That is who you want as your defense attorney, period. She said to Barbara with a straight face, maybe all that blood on the floor of his apartment was cross-contamination from work. (laughs) Yes. That was a great scene. She's like, I'm just pouring coffee. He's like, "Um, hello. <laughs> you seem to have some black She's like, here. it's all circumstantial. <laughs> <laughs> you don't know that for sure. Yes, I think she would be my defense attorney. <laughs> so uh, Yates has apparently a great sense of smell. So she told you she was pregnant? No. She didn't need to. I knew. She had a slightly different scent. Like you do. How far along are you? Uh, He could smell the fear uh, when Lena was killed. He could smell that Susie was ovulating, and he can smell that Rollins is pregnant. Mm. So he's less like Hannibal Lecter and more like Miggs. Yes, he is. (laughs) Thank you for reminding us about Miggs, Kevin. And for anyone who doesn't get that reference, just look it up on YouTube. We will not be explaining it. Yeah, come again. He's smelling so much. Even Robert Gorn is like, man, that's enough with the sniffing, dude. It's getting weird. You're not that good. It's like, what's wrong with this guy? So the uh, question is, who's wearing the longer coat, Rudnick or Kelly Giddish? <laughs> because she's just starting to show when her character discovers that she's pregnant. So she has to come clean to Olivia. I'm pregnant. Wow. It would not next. Okay. Thanks for telling me. And I know the squad being shorthanded is not the best time for you, but I want to promise you this is not going to affect my ability to well, do my job. Actually, it is, Amanda, you know. She tells uh, her that being a single mom is not easy. Man, she's had Noah for a hot minute, and 75% of that time it's she's been with Lucy. Mm. And you're going to be like, mm, let me give you some mm-hmm. advice. Mm. Get a good nanny. Such poor decisions. Also, like having her mother move to New York. The fuck, Amanda? Yeah, it's like you already have a dog. What are you thinking? (laughs) (laughs) You have enough trouble finding a dog walker. You know, it's like there's only so many Lucys in New York. Yeah. Yeah. It's not Nick. Man, she's like went for yeah. hard for that rebound, huh? She did. She did. <sighs> but why? I did think why that Mariska Hargitay had a lot of hate for Rollins in this episode. Like she felt yeah. like she was very much like just shutting her down from the beginning. You know, yeah. even yeah. in the first episode. She's yeah. like, no. I think she was upset she couldn't him. smell her pregnancy. <laughs> <laughs> I think she's upset that she probably assumes Rollins' baby is not a violent killer who's now in prison. Yeah. <laughs> How did that happen? Must have been all the ginger ale she drank. She's going to be a better single mom than me. <laughs> <laughs> That's very sad. She got it the old-fashioned way. With a yeah. dick. <laughs> <laughs> she didn't have to steal it from... A prostitute and her pimp. Come again? Come again. (laughs) Come in here. Everybody else has. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. 
At Amica Insurance, we know it's more than just a car. It's the two-door coupe that was there for your first drive. The hatchback that took you cross-country and back. And the minivan that tackles the weekly carpool. For the cars you couldn't live without, trust Amica Auto Insurance. Amica. Empathy is our best policy. All right, let's take a look at the real-life story that inspired this episode. It's time for a rip from the headlines. You think you know who did it. You think you know who did it. But you don't know who did it. You don't know who did it. Rip from the headlines. This episode takes plot points from the case of the Long Island serial killer. Human remains were first found on Gilgo Beach in 1996. They were the severed leg of a woman wrapped in plastic. In 2000, partial remains were found in Manaville. Three years later, a different set of remains were found in the same location. Over a period of four years, several women vanished from Long Island. Most of them were sex workers hired off Craigslist. Frustrated by the lack of progress in the case, the mother of Shannon Gilbert went to the media to put pressure on cops. In 2010, four bodies wrapped in burlap were found on Gilgo Beach. Police finally admitted they were dealing with a serial killer. Over the next year, more bodies were discovered. In total, 11 victims were tied to the investigation, but the case went cold. In 2022, a new task force was created to jumpstart the case. Detectives tracked down a Chevy pickup spotted in 2010, where a victim was last seen. That led them to Rex Hoyerman, an architect from Massapeka. After matching DNA from the crime scene to Hoyerman, he was arrested in July and charged with killing three of the victims. Authorities say their investigations into the other victims and other suspects is still ongoing. So episode two draws heavily on another rip from the headlines case. That's, of course, of Robert Durst. Uh, We know he was accused of murdering his fiancée and killing the landlady while secretly living as a deaf and mute woman in Texas, then dismembering her body and throwing it in the water and claiming self-defense get being acquitted also he blurted out what seemed to be a confession during the filming of the jinx he died in january 2022 mm. all right rex howerman's dna was finally obtained from leftover pizza thrown in the trash yep. here's the lesson eat the crust <laughs> <laughs> they would have gotten something else that he had had eaten on the street it's actually kind of incredible how they caught him. I mean, it was definitely some sort of um, genetic genealogy situation. They haven't mm. really released that part yet. But they found his wife's DNA, and they were able to, like, his wife's DNA was found on a blanket on the bodies. Yeah, the, they were probably ab- believe the hairs was the transfer. Yeah, yes, yeah. and they were somehow able to connect his wife's DNA with him. So it's probably a genetic genealogy thing where they found who were her family, and they were like, okay, this is probably this person who's then married to this person, right? And then they had to have a chain of custody evidence of the DNA to prove it was his. And the only way to do that is to watch a person or be able to prove a person touched or licked a thing. So they followed him in Manhattan or in, and like surveyed his house until they watched him eating a thing and throwing it in the trash. And then they have pictures of it being pulled out of the trash. Like, it's incredible. It really is incredible. Damn. Lord, do you care that much about your trash? <laughs> <laughs> That's why you should compost. I'm just saying. There you go. Lick that dirt. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) Uh, I just read an article the other day that actually there are very, like, relatively few serial killers operating. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So these things are getting more coverage now generally because there's just many fewer of them. (laughs) Yeah, I was going to say that the New York Times the other day had an article that this might be one of the last big serial killer cases. In the 1980s, uh, there were... 196 known serial killers working. Today, they believe there are 11 active serial killers with just a total, and I say just, a total of 44 total victims. Uh, They theorize it's harder today to get away with it because of advances and technology. Mm. So, Lauren, do you think the iPhone is saving us from serial killers? I think it's the true crime podcasts. I think that yeah. they're <laughs> they don't stand a chance at all. No, Way too no. many amateur detectives out there. <laughs> Just a group of white women drinking wine and solving um, crimes. Yeah. 
Yeah, <laughs> totally. But they, but they do theorize, Rebecca, that the serial killer has sort of been replaced with the mass shooter. Mm, unfortunately. Uh, that maybe sociopaths oh, don't wait yeah. years and years to do it. I don't know. They go straight to kill. I don't know. There's usually. There's not the same pathology. Yeah, I mean, usually like a psychosexual not... element to the, the serial killers. Yeah. Um, There's also another component of that. The serial killer has a very specific profile. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure about the 11 active ones because I do think there are profiles of serial killers that have not been identified by professional profilers like in the FBI Mm -hmm. because they only studied one type of serial killer when they created that profile. They only studied white dudes. (laughs) They only studied the ones they caught. Right. They only literally (laughs) only studied white dudes. So there could be many active Mm -hmm. serial killers Mm -hmm. who are not white dudes, whose victims are not white women or generally Mm -hmm. white women who are not being tracked because those victims are not being connected to one another. That's actually Mm -hmm. probably the case. So Mm -hmm. woke serial killers is what you're Yes, yes. Got it, got it, got it. <laughs> Well, yeah, that's what that dude in that, from that band would say. <laughs> I was going to say, there, we know one prison guard who's not going to be looking into these murders. <laughs> exactly. exactly, exactly. There was one rather unexpected investigator in this case. Co-conspirator number one, a.k.a. Rudy Giuliani, was spotted outside Hurman's home. He said he was there as part of his new live streaming show, America's Mayor Live. <sighs> And he arrived in the Mystery Machine van with actor Stephen Tenor saying that Dr. Fauci is the real killer. (laughs) That is going to do it for us. We want to thank our special guest, Lauren Vandermeer. Lauren, where can our listeners follow you online? Uh, You can follow me on uh, Instagram at Drinks at Death Podcast. Um, You can follow us at Drinks at Death Podcast on Facebook and the social media platform formerly known as Twitter, which is X now. (laughs) Yeah. yeah, we're on there now, but I don't even know what's happening with that platform. So <laughs> I know, like, I think I'm stuck there. Like, Rudy, yeah. <laughs> can you, Rebecca, tell us where to, you can be found online? Uh, you can find me at Stay Away From The Stink Van, or I'm actually everywhere <laughs> at Reb Lavoy. Yeah, and you can track me on Twitter, X, whatever the hell it is this week, at Kevin P. Flynn, tweet to us. I don't know, you X at us. I don't know what you're doing Tweeting. <laughs> at Law and Order Pod. Or follow us on Instagram at These Are Their Stories Podcast. Our newsreader was Cy Freighter. Our theme music was composed and performed by Uncanny Valleys. Content assistance from Travis Roy. Lily Flynn handles promotions. All clips in this podcast were used in compliance with the U.S. Copyrights Act. Fair use exemption for criticism and commentary. Go to lawandorderpodcast.com and sign up for our newsletter for a chance to be our next Law and Order Marathon winner. These Are Their Stories was recorded in the Treehouse Yoga Studio above the Mockingbird Cafe in Bay St. Louis, Mississippi studio, and is a production of Partners in Crime Media. Partners in Crime Media. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America.